from the first epistle of St. Peter, chapter 3. Dearly beloved, all of you have unity of spirit, sympathy, love of the brethren, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not return evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you have been called, that you may obtain a blessing. For he that would live, would love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking guile. Let him turn away from evil and do right. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is right? But even if you do suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts reverence Christ as Lord. From the Holy Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 5. At that time, Jesus said to his disciples, Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to the men of old, You shall not kill, and whoever kills shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother shall be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool shall be liable to the, fi- to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. The sanctuary lamp in the church burns this week in loving memory of Tony and Rose Provenza. The Adoration Chapel lamp burns in loving memory of Hugh Huxon. The second collection today is for Peter's Pence. To enhance our celebration of the sacred liturgy, we're looking for more boys and men to assist at the sacred liturgy as altar servers. An introductory session will be held for those interested in this ministry tomorrow evening uh, at 5.30 p.m. here in the church. Feel free to speak with me after Mass if you have any questions. The Solemnity of St. Peter and St. Paul is this Tuesday, June the 29th. We'll have a morning Mass at 6 a.m. and a Latin Mass at 5.30 in the evening. This Thursday, we'll also celebrate the traditional Feast of the Most Precious Blood of our Lord. So we'll be offering, again, the, Tuesday, the, the regular Thursday morning Mass and another uh, Latin Mass on Thursday evening, also at 5.30. The Parish School of Religion has openings for teachers this coming academic year. We ask you please to see the, inf- the bulletin for more information. This Holy Mass is being offered for Thomas Carlton Link. Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. When one hears that line, one ought to stop and go, what does the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees look like? Because otherwise, whatever follows is a lost message. It's an important thing for us if heaven hinges on this. What does it look like? The fact is that the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees 
is complicated, literally. It is very, very complicated. In the beginning, Moses was given the Ten Commandments by our Lord, essentially a a sort of general guideline to shape human hearts because of their hardness of heart, the Lord giving them the law of things, at least a, a sort of starting point of bare bones, not to do these things and to do these things instead. But the reality is that we like to clarify things very often as humans. Sometimes we like to clarify things because we want to make sure we don't stretch, we, we, don't, want to, we don't want to break the law, right? You want to know, uh, you know, want to make sure that we stay safely within the bounds. And so sometimes it is a fear of breaking the law, of breaking a commandment that um, encourages us to ask questions. Well, what about this? What about that, right? On the other end of things, sometimes there's a, an unholy question for clarification, Essentially, a desire to go as far as possible without having to break the rule. How far can I go? Is a question often found on many young people's lips. Father, how far can I go before I do X, Y, and Z, which is a mortal sin, right? How can, how can I stay in venial sin land, right? It's the reality. And so many cl- clarifications, so many questions arise seeking to clarify what's the limit here? Let's be clear, right? And the reality is that the scribes certainly fed into this. The scribes were the ones who essentially were the ones to take the law and to try to apply it to the daily life. How much was too much and how much was not enough in all sorts of various instances. And so they clarify the law by essentially making the law built more and more and more in all the various observances. Rather than taking a general rule, they loved the detailed and the specifics. We know certainly that we must honor the Lord and not work on the Sabbath. But what does carrying a burden mean officially? And so they would get into details such as how much of a burden one could carry before it became sinful. One could carry enough ink and a pen to write two letters, but not three. One could pick up or one could drink enough milk for one swallow, but not more. One could pick up enough food in a single bite, that of a dried fig, the weight of a dried fig, but not more. And they began to raise questions such as, should one be able to pick up a lamp and to place it on a lampstand on the Sabbath? Even to go as far and to be absurd as things such as, if someone has a prosthetic limb, should they be able to don it on the Sabbath? Because you have to pick the thing up. You would have to carry something. Even the most absurd of them, it seems, should one pick up a screaming child on the Sabbath? Because it's picking up a burden. It's doing work. So apparently even some would suggest that you just let the child stay there all day long. And then when the sun goes down, all is good. You can pick them up and sue them at that point. And one can get into such incredible details that it was a rather daunting task to follow them. It seemed like no matter what one would do, you were already breaking the rule before you started. And the Pharisees observed these rules. The Pharisees were the ones who had essentially dedicated themselves to knowing and passing on these rules, which not always were were at the time of our Lord, were not written down and codified yet, but rather were an oral tradition. They were passed down word of mouth. So you simply had to remember all of these things, 
all of the proper weights, all the proper measurements, all the proper timetables, and all of these details. And this is the thing that our Lord has a problem with. Not the details themselves, but in the mattering and the keeping of the matters of so many of the details, they forget the purpose of the details. They follow the law incredibly well, the letter of it at least. But the Spirit often was lost. The focus was entirely upon the doing of the things, forgetting acts of charity, forgetting goodness for which we were created. And this is the problem, that they stay only on the outside, not allowing the interior to be touched. And if we stay only on the outside of our faith, if we do not allow Christ to touch our hearts and to transform our minds, our righteousness has not exceeded that of the scribes and Pharisees, and heaven is not ours. We must allow the Lord to come into our minds, to come into our hearts, and to actually touch us, to transform us, to shape us, to make us indeed, as we have, should have been called from our baptism, a new creation, something different, something new and holy, set apart for God. This is the call for us to exceed and to pass, surpass the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, is to let Christ change our lives. Certainly we can follow certainly a, a great number of rules. There's no shortage of rules here in this traditional Latin Mass that I must be keenly attentive to. That when vesting, I have to put my right arm in the right sleeve first and the left arm in the left sleeve first and then put it on top of my head. These are rules that they add for a particular reason, a sp- particular spiritual reason, right? Always we like to be at the right hand of the Father, these kinds of things. But there are details that are present there. But if we stop only at the details, if we do it only for the sake of doing the thing, because this is how we've always done it, which is one of my least favorite phrases in the world, if we simply do it because we do it, we've lost the entire purpose. We've lost the entire meaning of everything that we do if we simply allow it to stay on the exterior, is for us to allow the things of our faith to shape us, not simply on the outside, but more importantly, on the inside. Our Lord saying this with this kind of preface that he gives of your righteousness must exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees, he then proceeds to take up for himself that mantle of authority that is striking to the people of God. You have heard that it was said to the people of old, and he quotes the commandments. These were the thing that were given by God that no one could touch. You can, you can discuss and debate all you want, all the, the, the rulings of the scribes and the Pharisees, their interpretations of this and that. You can discuss and interpret all kinds of things, but you cannot change the law that God gave in the Ten Commandments. And this our Lord does. And he does it without even question. He doesn't, make a, he doesn't try to make a case for himself. He doesn't try to explain himself. He simply says it. He speaks with authority. And the authority that he speaks with is an authority that is meant to pierce us to the heart. Not to settle simply for the exterior or for the, the simple bare minimum of things, but rather to go farther. You've heard that it was said, you should not kill. But our Lord says... If you even hate in your heart, you have lost heaven. 
Just the reality is, it's, it's simple not to kill. I mean, it's the reality of things. It's a much more difficult thing not to be angry. It's a much more difficult thing not to be spiteful in one's own heart, to be resentful in one's own heart, to spread gossip or to spread detraction because of something that has happened to us or something that offends us. These are much more difficult things than just don't kill someone. The Lord calls us to go much deeper than a simple surface-level morality. He's seeking to convert our hearts. Not simply not to do the thing externally, but not even to desire it internally, which is a task of a lifetime. Not even to desire the sin, much less not do it. And this is what our Lord does as he continues to the rest of St. Matthew's, this chapter of St. Matthew's Gospel, uh, talking of those various things of, of you shall not do this, you shall not do this, you shall not do this. And all of them are, the law said this, but let's go a little deeper. The law says this, but let's go a little deeper. And he's calling us outside of ourselves. And he's calling that we might be able to receive him in our hearts. To actually, again, transform our minds and our hearts and not just our bodies on the exterior. It is Christ who comes to claim us for the Father, to ransom us for heaven. But it is we who must be willing to go, to let our hearts be changed to be willing to let go of the anger in our heart, the greed in our heart, the lust in our heart, the wrath in our heart, and all the other things that may quietly abide there, even though we can keep the commandments. May God grant us the grace today to open our hearts to him, that his grace may flood, that his light may come, and to shine upon the darkness of our own hearts, to cast out the wickedness that is present there. We might be able to receive even a bit today a conversion of our hearts to become more and more faithful to Christ, more and more righteous in his sight.